0: So today we're talking about Abraham and I was thinking about this um, when I was about 16 years old, um, my grandfather who was pastoring a small church out in the country, um, the church had dwindled to be so small that they had actually gotten rid of the church building and they had purchased a a home and the parsonage was upstairs, the church was in the basement. So that's kind of how this church uh, functioned. And my grandfather came to me one day and said, I want you to come preach at my church. And I was 16 years old, never preached before in my life, scared to death to stand in front of about 20 people in a basement of a house and preach. So I did what first-time preachers often do. I took sermon notes from my pastor that I had at the time, and I took about seven sermons on the life of Abraham smushed them all together into one sermon and then gave it to these poor people in the basement of this house. Um, And so a couple decades later, here we are talking about Abraham again um, because there's a lot to learn from this Old Testament patriarch. I was thinking about it last night that I've probably preached on Abraham dozens and dozens of times over the last 20 years. And just this week, as I was studying this story again, just learning something new that I'd never really seen before. And I love that about the word of God, that we can encounter the word of God again for the first time and God speaks to us because it's a living document. So this morning, we're going to talk about Abraham. Last week, we talked about Noah because we're in this series for the summer called By Faith. We're looking at Hebrews chapter 11, and we're talking about some of the characters in this passage of scripture, and we're really trying to learn about faith and what it means to be people of faith. And last week, we talked about Noah, and we really focused in on three key lessons from Noah's story. We talked about the fact that faith is rooted in relationships. The people that are in Hebrews chapter 11 are there because they did bold things for God, but they didn't do bold things for God because they had confidence in themselves, and so they went out and tried great things for God. They did bold things for God because they had confidence in God, the one who was inviting them to do these bold things on his behalf, and so they trusted God, and they did what God told them to do, and so faith is rooted in relationship. If we want to be people of faith, we have to cultivate our relationship relationship with God. We talked about the fact that faith is a verb, that it's action, that it's obedience, that the people who are in Hebrews chapter 11 are not in there just because they believed in God somewhere in their past, and they decided to put their trust in him. They're in Hebrews chapter 11 because God told them to do something, and they obeyed him. They did what God told them to do. Noah made it into Hebrews 11 because God said, build an ark, and Noah built an ark, Faith is a verb, and we talked about the fact that faith is costly, that sometimes it's risky. We might fail when we're trying to do these things for God. We talked about the fact that sometimes it's uncomfortable. God asks us to do things or move in certain directions or go to certain places that just aren't fun. They're challenging, they're difficult, they're hard, and faith sometimes is uncomfortable. Sometimes it's unpopular. Uh, people look at what we're doing and the things that we're doing for God and they reject us because of it. And sometimes it's countercultural. All of culture's going one way and God asks us to go the complete opposite direction and if we're people of faith, we'll do it. Those three lessons we learned from Noah's story, but really they're lessons that could be reiterated over and over and over again throughout Hebrews chapter 11 because the reality is is that these lessons hold true for most of the stories in Hebrews chapter 11 including the one we're looking at today, the story of Abraham. Now, a little note on Abraham Uh, as we think about his story, and in just a minute we'll read a few verses from Hebrews chapter 11, but uh, in Genesis chapter 12, when we encounter him, his name is Abram, but later in his story, God changes his name. God did that a lot. He changed a lot of people's names, and so Abram becomes Abraham, and by the time we get to Hebrews chapter 11, that's how we read it. He's talked about as Abraham, but today as we look at these two passages, Old Testament and New, Genesis 12, Hebrews 11, when we see Abram or Abraham, it's the same person, so I just want you to know that. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse eight. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God." Now, from just these few verses, there are at least four characteristics that I think Abraham displayed that really made him a person of faith in this particular story, and I wanna walk through them very quickly with you this morning. Characteristic number one, availability availability. Abraham makes himself available to God. God comes to Abraham, calls to him, and tells him, I want you to leave the place where you were at, and I want you to go somewhere else. And in fact, Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham didn't know where he was going. And what we learn of Abraham is that after he receives the call from God, he obeys and he goes. It's interesting because when you read this, you have to understand what God is asking Abraham to do is to leave the certainty and the comfort and the familiarity of his homeland, the place where he grew up, the land of his father, the land of his people, the land that he knows. God's saying, leave that behind and I'm gonna take you to another place, a place that I will show you. And Abraham goes. One commentator says that he goes with the call of God still ringing in his ears. Even before God is finished speaking, it almost seems as if Abraham is ready to go and he's beginning the journey. Why could Abraham do that? Because he made himself available to God. He was open to God. When God wanted to speak to him, Abraham was ready to hear And he was receptive to God, he heard God's word and took it to heart, and then he was responsive, he obeyed, he did what God was asking him to do. He did all of that because he was available to God. When I was about 13 years old, um, I started to feel and sense a call to full-time ministry. I felt God asking me to be a pastor. And I have to be honest, when the call first came, I just thought to myself, why would anyone want to be a pastor? Like, Why why would you want to stand up on the platform at church on Sunday morning and talk to people about God? Who would want to do that? I don't want to do that. God, why are you asking me? And so for about six months, from the very first time I sensed that call um, until the time I said yes, it took me about six months of just wrestling with God. Here's what I learned in that in that period of time in my life, you can wrestle with God but you won't win. That's what I was doing. I was going back and forth with God. God, there's got to be other people in our youth group. I mean, look at him, look at her. They're more talented, more gifted. They'll be better at it. I don't want to be a pastor. But I finally said yes, because God won the wrestling match. And so I went to my parents, and I told my parents that I felt God was calling me to be a pastor. And they were very encouraging, very supportive, very affirming. And the very next Sunday, I went to my pastor right after church was over. I kind of waited down front, and Pastor Tom got done talking with people, and um, we sat down in the pews right in the front of our sanctuary in Salisbury, Maryland. And Pastor Tom Bunning sat with me there, and I said, Pastor Tom, you're not going to believe this, but I think God's calling me to ministry. I think God's calling me to be a pastor. His very first response was, well, I've known that for about six months, We're just waiting for you to come around on it because you have to answer your own call. In that conversation, Pastor Tom said something that I have never forgotten and I will never forget it. He said this to me, and I'd heard him say it before in a sermon, but he said, your most important ability is availability. Because that's the ability that when you use it, you make all of the other abilities you have, you put them at God's disposal. That's a good word. It's a good word for us today to remember that in all of the abilities you have, your knowledge, your skills, your experience, your degrees, all of the wisdom you've gained through your experience, when you put all of that together, that's all great and it's all things that God's given you but if you don't make yourself available to God, all of that doesn't make much difference for the kingdom because all of that is not at God's disposal see, we have to be available to God. We have to be open to him, and we have to be receptive, and we have to be responsive so that all of those abilities and gifts and talents and wisdom and experience and knowledge can be used by God for his purposes. Abraham was able to be used by God as a person of faith because he was available to him. Characteristic number two, Trust. These really go hand in hand. Abraham was available to God because Abraham trusted God. He trusted him. God's asking Abraham to do something that's really hard. Leave the land of your father, the land of your people, the things that you know, the things that are comfortable and certain and solid. Leave them all behind, and I'm gonna take you on a journey, and I'm taking you to a place that I can't tell you about. He's asking Abraham to go on a journey with God to a destination unknown. Now, think about the trips that you take in your life. How many of the trips that you've taken in your lifetime you started with no destination in mind? You just left your house for a week of vacation, no idea where you're going, no idea what you're doing, where you're staying. You don't even know which direction you're going. For most of us, we don't do vacation that way. We have at least a landing point that we're going to. There are some of you who are super adventurous and you just leave and have no idea where the wind is gonna take you and you go and more power to you. That's not how most of us do life. We like to have a destination in mind. We like to know where the trip is going to take us. Abraham didn't have that. In our world today, we've become accustomed to the tom-tom that we suction cup to the windshield of our car, or we ask Siri for directions, or we pull up Google Maps and we want turn-by-turn directions to get us from where we are to where we're going. And GPS is just something that's become a part of our lives. Uh, My oldest son, Sean, and I, we got very familiar with our GPS a couple of months ago. Uh, Back in March, during his spring break, we decided to take a trip to Canada. Most people go south for spring break where it's warm. We went north where it's cold uh, for what we called our week trip of hockey and discipleship. That's what we called it. We went north to Canada because we wanted to take in three NHL games in a week. And we wanted to, in, the, in between those games, have conversations about God and life and faith. And so that's what we did. And so we left Marion, Indiana. We drove all the way to Montreal. We took in a game at the Bell Center, which was fantastic. We had some great guy food, some burgers, some wings. It was wonderful. Then we drove to Toronto. The Maple Leafs were horrible this year, but we wanted to go to that stadium anyway and see that game. So we did, and we took in the Hockey Hall of Fame and some other things while we were there. And then we went to Ottawa, and we took in the Canadian Parliament buildings, and we watched a game there. And then we drove all the way back to Marion, Indiana, about 3,000 miles in a week was a lot of driving. And we got used to our GPS because we did not know where we were going. We didn't know where our hotel was that night. We didn't know where the stadium was when we were going to games. We didn't know where the restaurant was that we were trying to find or the attraction that we were going to. And so we constantly had to type in the destination point. See, the GPS can figure out where you are, but it can't tell you where you're going. You have to tell your GPS where you're going. And so we'd pull it up, we'd type in where we were going, and then off we'd go, and it would plan a route and give us directions, and we'd get there. Destination unknown doesn't work on GPS. And it doesn't work for most of us either because we want to know where we're going, we want to know how long it's gonna take us to get there, and we want to know what we're going to encounter along the way because we like to be in control or we at least like the illusion of control. And see, in our lives, sometimes God's asking us to leave where we are and go to places and he doesn't tell us where he's taking us. He doesn't necessarily tell us how long it's gonna take to get there or what we're gonna encounter along the way. He just invites us on a journey. But if we are so wrapped up in the need for control, we will never take that journey with God because we're not willing to go with him. See, it comes back to trust. Do we trust that God's plan is best? that God knows where he's taking us and he knows how long it will take us to get there and he knows what we'll encounter along the way and even if we never have access to that knowledge, we're okay because we trust the one who is leading us on the journey. You see, when God asks us to go to different places, we have all kinds of questions that go through our mind. Is this possible? Does this make sense? Can I do this? Will this work? And all of those might be good questions, but none of them are the most important question. The most important question is, is God leading me? And if God is leading me and we can say yes to that, then it doesn't matter what other questions are in our mind and it doesn't matter what the answers are, we can go because we know him and we trust him. Remember, relationship is foundational. You gotta know the one that's inviting you on the journey. Characteristic number three is obedience. Abraham knows this God who's inviting him to go, and so Hebrews 11 and Genesis 12 both tell us, so he went. He did what God was asking him to do. This is the theme that runs through Hebrews 11, because remember, faith is a verb, it's action. It shows up in obedience, God asks us to do something. He tells us what he wants from us and then we have to make a decision. Will we be people of faith and do it or will we hold back from God and not do what he's asking us to do? That's the decision point for us. People of faith, they know God and they hear God's voice but they translate what God says into obedience. They put their faith into action. This is what James talks about when he says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, God doesn't really care how much we listen to him if we're not willing to do what he tells us to do. That's where our faith makes a difference when we actually obey. This seems to connect with Jesus' teaching in John 10 when he says that I know my sheep and my sheep know me. The sheep, they hear the shepherd's voice and they know his voice and so the shepherd can call to his sheep by name and he can lead them out and they follow him because they know his voice see, if we're going to be people of faith, we have to know who God is, and we have to be able to recognize and identify his voice in our lives so that when he speaks, we will hear him, and we will let him lead us out, and we will follow him wherever he tells us to go. This is what it means to be a person of faith, that we obey, that we hear his voice, and we do what he's telling us to do. Characteristic number four. This is the one that I had never seen before in Abraham's story. It's the characteristic of patience. It's interesting in Hebrews chapter 11 because Abraham is commended as a person of faith for two reasons. The first we've already talked about. He heard God's voice and he went where God told him to go. But then he is commended as a person of faith because when he got where God wanted him to be, right in the promised land where God was gonna give him that land, he got there and Hebrews 11 says that he lived there as a stranger in a foreign country and he dwelled there in tents. Now when you read Hebrews 11 and you go back to Genesis chapter 12 and you look at verses 6 and 7, what you discover is that God came to Abraham and said, I want you to leave all that's familiar, the land of your father, the land of your people, and I want you to go to somewhere else, a place that I will show you. And Abraham obeys, and he goes, and God leads him directly to the promised land. This isn't 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. This is a direct journey. He takes him right there, puts him right in the heart of it. And when he gets him there, he says, look around. This is the land that I am giving to you and to your descendants. It's a great promise of God. It is the promise that the Israelites will bank on when they're freed from Egypt, that God's taking them into the promised land, that he's gonna give them the land that he promised to their forefather, Abraham. Here's what I want you to see. Abraham leaves what's familiar and certain, and he goes to the promised land. He gets there, and God says, this is it. This is what I'm giving you, but you can't have it. I mean, Abraham has left all that is certain and comfortable in his life to follow and go on this journey with God. And when he gets where God's taking him, God's like, here it is, just kidding, you can't have it. In fact, I'm not even gonna give it to your son. I'm not even gonna give it to your grandson. You will have to wait generations for this promise to be fulfilled See, the only plot of land that Abraham ever owned in the promised land was a tiny plot of land that he bought so he could bury his wife. And the rest of it he never owned, he never possessed. His son Isaac didn't possess it, and Isaac's son Jacob didn't possess it. The children of Israel would not take hold of the land until after Egypt, generations into the future. Yet Abraham was willing to receive God's promise and build an altar right in that place to acknowledge the Lord has spoken and this is his promise to me and my descendants and Abraham receives God's promise even though it's never fulfilled in his lifetime. What is God asking you to do that if you do it faithfully for the rest of your life, you might not see the fulfillment of the promise God's given you? And are you willing to do that thing if no fruit is ever born while you're alive? Are you willing to put your hand faithfully to the task that God has given you to be the person God's called you to be and to be about the things that God has called you to be about even if what you are doing is not for you or your day or your generation? What if it's for generations after you're gone? Are you willing to be faithful in that thing? See, so what we learn from Abraham is this ability to be patient. God gave him a promise I'm going to give you this land, but Abraham never receives the fulfillment of the promise. He lives out all of his days, and he never gets the land that God promised to give him. Yet Abraham was faithful. He was faithful to receive the promise and he was faithful to live his life for God so that God's purposes could be fulfilled, not just in Abraham's life and in Abraham's day and in his generation, but for generations to come. How could he have that kind of patience? Hebrews chapter 11 tells us it's because he was looking ahead to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. I think that's the way the author of Hebrews is trying to tell us that Abraham had an eternal perspective. He wasn't just living for his day and his time and his life. He recognized that who he was and what he was doing was a part of God's bigger plan in the scheme of the world. And so Abraham was willing to faithfully play his part and receive a promise not for himself, but for the generations that would come later. I think this is an important word for us because we live in a time where now is the most important moment. I mean, I, I was thinking back just this a uh, couple of weeks ago about the internet. I remember when I very first got my very first email address And I was like one of a few kids that I knew who had an email address. And our family got dial-up internet. It took like eight minutes to connect. (laughs) And I was thinking about the fact that I was sitting on my back porch with my uh, computer in my lap the other day. And I typed in a web address. And it took like three and a half seconds. And it was still loading. And I thought, what is going on with the internet today? We live in a time where now is the most important moment. And what if God is looking for people who have an eternal perspective? What if God's looking for people right now who will be patient? Because some of the things that God might want to do in our world might take generations to accomplish. And are we willing to live our lives in a way open and receptive and responsive so that we will faithfully put our hands to whatever God gives us to do even if the fruit of that work is not borne out in our day and in our time? Are we still willing to be people of faith then? Or are we only willing to be people of faith if we can see a return quickly? I think some of us have problems waiting. If God gives us a promise, we have problems waiting for a week or a month or a year. And what if God's saying, no, this isn't even for your lifetime? Are we willing to have that kind of patience? See, it takes an eternal perspective. It takes a perspective that says, I'm gonna be faithful with what God's given me to do right now in this time and in this day because I know that God is working on something that spans all of human history, and I wanna make sure I'm playing my part in God's big story. See, I think this is important because sometimes we look around and we think, God, we're living for you, but it seems like good's not winning. You said you're making all things new, but man, when we look around, we don't always see that. Sometimes we don't think you're making all things new. You see, that requires an eternal perspective. It requires faith to say that even though it might seem in this moment that good is not winning and that that you are not making all things new, we have to, as people of faith, say we believe that you are and so we will faithfully do what you've given us to do in this time and in this day because we know that's what the big plan of God requires. I think this is what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, when he says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. See, he's calling us to have an eternal perspective that even if what God has called you to do right now doesn't seem like it counts or it doesn't seem like it's making a difference or it doesn't seem like it's having the impact you hoped it would have, just stay faithful. Your work in the Lord is never in vain. God is doing something that reaches beyond your day and your time into the future. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. So four characteristics, availability, trust, obedience, and patience. As I thought about those four characteristics, I thought to myself, this sermon is like stating the obvious. You will hear those characteristics and you'll think to yourself, yes, those are all components of faith. And you'll also think, yes, as a person of faith, I want more of those things in my life. I assume that to be true of you because I know that you are people who love God and you want to be the people that God has called you to be. And so you look at those things and you say, of course I want to be available to God. Of course I want to trust him more. Of course I want to be obedient. And of course I want to be patient. Then I started asking myself the question, if we wanted those things to be true of our lives, What's the foundation of that? What's the root issue that we would need to handle in our lives if we wanted those things to be growing and maturing in us? And as I thought about it this week, I realized it really comes back to surrender. Abraham was able to demonstrate all of those characteristics because at the end of the day, he had surrendered his life fully to God. His life was no longer his own. He had given it over to the Lord. And he did this because he loved God. He walked with God and he knew God and he communed with God. We know this because the Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. And out of that relationship, Abraham just surrendered his life. And because he was surrendered, he was available. He was able to trust God even when the destination was unknown, he was able to obey even when it was hard, he was able to be patient even though it took forever for that promise to be fulfilled from Abraham's perspective. Abraham lived a surrendered life. It's what made these characteristics possible. And it's interesting, this doesn't mean that Abraham was perfect or that he never made mistakes. We know he did. In fact, if you read Abraham's story, what you find is that when he got in trouble, it's when he took control of his life back. Right? God said, I'm gonna give you a son. And there was no son for a long time. And so what does Abraham do? I'll figure out a way to get a son. And that's what caused problems in Abraham's journey. You see, it all comes back to surrender. And so today, as we bring this service to a close, I've asked the team to come and they're gonna lead us in a song of surrender. And before we sing this song together, I wanna invite you to just take a moment to reflect on these four characteristics. Availability trust, obedience, and patience, and as you evaluate where you're at with each of those four characteristics, when you identify one or more of them that you feel like, man, I'm lagging behind, or I want that to be more prominent in my life, or maybe I'm just flat out struggling in that area, as you identify those, I want you to ask yourself this question. What does that suggest about my level of surrender? So if we look at our lives and we find ourselves saying, boy, if God were to ask me to leave here and go there, I couldn't do it, I'm not ready, or it would take six months of wrestling to get me there, maybe we're not fully surrendered. Or if we wonder to ourselves, is God's plan really the best? Maybe we don't fully trust him, maybe it's because we're not fully surrendered. I want you to think about those characteristics today and just reflect and say what does that suggest about my level of surrender?